talkzone.com. Now, Talk Zone presents Two Guys and a Mic, your mid-morning break sports talk show. It's a passionate yet lighthearted look at the world of sports, featuring the coach, John Cohn, and the big dog, Joel Radwanski. They'll recap the games from yesterday, look ahead to the matchups tonight, and cover a lot more in between. Now, Two Guys and a Mic on TalkZone.com. Yeah, welcome everybody and a happy new year to a one and oh, it's two guys at a MikeTalkZone.com. First show of the 2011 season, if you will. Hopefully it's going to be a great year for everybody out there. It's the big dog and the coach at your service up until 11 o'clock. Yes, our contract was renewed. We are around for year number two against all odds. We are back. For a second year, big dog and a coach, David Olson, our producer. Hope everybody out there had a great holiday season, a great New Year's. Big dog, I welcome you in. A lot of people call this Black Monday. Back to work, the dark, cold days of January and February await us. How are you, big uh, dog? Uh, I'm doing fine, coach. Just to let you know, I'm going to do today and tomorrow's show, but because I accepted an illegal gift, I will not be doing Wednesday's <laughs> show. But they are allowing you to uh, do our bowl show today, huh? Yeah, yeah without question. I can do the next two shows Wednesday. I am out. I cannot talk. about. I can't do the wrap-up of the Ohio State-Arkansas game. Uh, but I promised Coach Trustle that I'll be back <laughs> for the Thursday show, Coach. Oh, goodness. Was the uh, testing done via the Palm Pilot, or did they use the handheld? Uh, Coach, I hate to tell you, they actually used a thermometer. They took my temperature. Really? Yeah. Did you turn and cough? Well, I didn't turn, but I did cough a lot. <laughs> oh, well, at least we got you for a couple of days, Big Dog. We'll take you any day we can get you. Hope you and uh, yours had a tremendous holiday season. Uh, you didn't get in any trouble, I hope, over the New Year's. No, no, I didn't get in trouble, but I, I did have to hold uh, an Asian woman upside down as she vomited. Uh-oh. Uh-oh. Why? I'm not familiar with the holding upside down during vomit. Does that help or hurt? Well, after after watching somebody dry heave for an hour and a half, it was making me a little uncomfortable. So eventually, <laughs> I was like, "Let's just get this out of her." So I just picked her up, held ah. her upside down, and then it, it, it was kind of like uh, it was kind of like seeing somebody like on a tilt the world. You know, they they they're not sure what to do, and eventually, and then eventually, it just it all came out. It was it was really. It was, Quite amazing, to be quite honest. Yeah. The other people there, they gave me a standing ovation. Mm-hmm. Nice. Glad you relayed that story to all of us, as we are America's number one breakfast show, as long as you're not eating breakfast. Or in America. So there were other people witnessing your uh, turning this fine young Asian lady that you are dating upside down and inducing vomit. Yeah, well, it happened to be the sober driver and then the, the much, much intoxicated boyfriend of the sober driver. <laughs> Sounds like a good time was had by all. Uh, well, 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 by three of us, not by the person being held upside down at the time. <laughs> well, three out of four is not bad. Well, I mean, I mean, seriously, that will get you, you know, that gets your contract renewed in uh, football, so it's not bad. Was this on, on New Year's Day? Was it on New Year's Eve or one of the other fine holiday days? Oh, it was it was New Year's Eve, coach. Okay. It was about uh, it was about an, two hours after everybody celebrated. Uh, the end of the decade and the beginning mm-hmm. of, you know, the, the teens or the whatever the heck this part of the, this decade is called. Yes, a happy 2011, by the way, to you and yours, and please keep your hands off mine. 
Coach Dub was in my hands. Thank you very much. I actually made the uh, Chicago celebration at the last. Uh, <laughs> you're a sick, sick man, Big Doug. <laughs> uh, uh, the last couple of years, I basically celebrated the, you know, like like the rest of us old people, the New York. New Year's, if you will, and then, you know, we don't make it to 12 o'clock this year. You'd be proud of me, big dog. I not only made New York's uh, celebration, but I actually stayed up till 12 o'clock. Not much after, but I did make the 12 o'clock countdown. Yeah, I, I hate to tell you, Coach, that, uh, you know, I'm too much of a party that I typically stay up all the way till Hawaii's <laughs> New Year's celebration. Uh, there's nothing so. like Hawaii's New Year's. Yes, David? Now, did you watch the uh, Dick Clark celebration? I did. Very wow. uncomfortable. Oh, very weird. What? Yeah, how do they keep him up till midnight is what oh. I want to know. Well, I mean, it, it's just, it's, it's painful to watch because yes. he's just so, uh, I, I don't even know the, the word to describe it. Uh, yeah, it was uncomfortable, it was uneasy. Everybody that I was around was criticizing and I still, you know what, I got a little sentiment. It's, you know, it's New Year's, it's Dick Clark, I know he's not of, uh, I guess the mind is working fine, right? When you when you've recovered from the stroke, you yeah, just... yeah, yeah. Well, he recovered, but he never recovered. That's kind of the problem. I well, mean, his... but just because he can't speak, it doesn't mean the mind is not as sharp as always. Well, yeah, exactly, exactly. But when you're in broadcasting, your speech is kind of important. Yes, yes, yes. And you know, it's one thing, you know, if you're like the second guy, the way they Jack Buck turned out to be after his stroke, you know, it was kind of cute. But now, do, do they still call it? <laughs> Uh, Dick Clark's Rockin' New Year's Eve, or they call it Dick Clark's In the Rockers New Year's Eve. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> oh. well, but that's kind of my point. You can still keep his name on it, but just mm-hmm. yeah, pa- pass just it off like to Seacrest. minutes with him. You know, like a couple, like he's not like the executive producer. He comes in, says a couple cute things. Mm-hmm. You know, they say, hey, remember back, you know, 1978 when the ball didn't come down right? Oh, yeah, I remember that. And then they have move him, on to other stuff. Have him bookend the broadcast. Open the show, close the show. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That's all sure. you need to do. Because, like, when he did the countdown to, countdown to midnight, number one, he couldn't keep up with the count. Number two, once he because he counted down from 20, once he got down to one, he looked like he was ready to pass out. <laughs> he, re- he really did. It was like counting down like that. Took a toll on him. I did notice, though, after kissing his wife, I don't know if you caught this or not, he did sneak in a quick grope on a Jenny McCarthy. I did, I did not catch so, that. So, well, you need to watch a little bit more carefully. While Ryan Seacrest is talking, if you look carefully in the background, Big Dog, you will see Dick Clark celebrating a little bit too much New Year's Eve 2011. Well, I mean, there's nothing wrong with a quick grope of a Jenny McCarthy. Plus, I, she's too dumb to even realize it. Okay. <laughs> Take it easy. That's that's just her persona. Jenny McCarthy, oh, yeah. lovely young lady in Chicago's very own Big Dog. It's either that or watching Jim Bellucci bring in the New Year's. But that's Well, that's an excellent point. If we're going to have somebody <laughs> represent Chicago, I am done with Jim Belushi. I have no problem being a Jen McCarthy. I think you and the rest of us. But, uh, yeah, it was it was a little weird seeing Dick Clark. But I uh, hope everybody out there did have a great New Year's celebration. You want to uh, – we'll talk some sports today. Big Dumb will also talk about things that happen over the New Year's and New Year's Eve and uh, pick up some of those stories. Anybody that's got some fun stuff to report, maybe you were uh, out there partying with the Big Dumb. And you can give us an up close and personal. I'd love to know what Joel was doing uh, right before he was watching Hawaii's New Year's Eve. 888-463-6748 is the phone number again. 888 For those of us that didn't stay up, Big Dog, how do they celebrate Mauna Luaua in Hawaii? So everybody gets laid. <laughs> I knew I shouldn't have asked. And then, uh, and then pretty much everybody drinks the poi. <laughs> Okay. 
And then, then that's about it, Coach. And then everybody goes to bed at that point. And 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 everybody lives happily ever after. Hopefully, as long as they wore protection, right? Well, you, you know, it's uh, in Hawaii. It's one of the few places that you know, like people go to bed early. Like people wake up early in order to you know, like actually go out and enjoy the sunshine and enjoy the beautiful day. Yes. So, like legitimately in Hawaii, you're in bed by, you know, you're in bed by twelve oh five on New Year's Eve. And I don't mm-hmm. blame you. Mm-hmm. Thank you. Thank you for that report live from Hawaii and New Year's Eve. Rocking New Year's Eve with the Big Dog live from a pineapple location in Hawaii. Uh, Big Dog, we got lots of sports to talk about. One hour show. I'm sure we're going to run out of time, but we got college football and pro football first and foremost, if you are ready to partake in a little sports talk. I don't want to rush you now. Oh, there's, there's all kinds of stuff I want to talk about. And I would hate to tell you what my notes are. You're, you would just laugh and be like, because I keep on forgetting to talk about this, but and it has nothing to do with what happened this weekend, so we should just move on to other stuff and whatever you want to talk about, Coach, because there's plenty to talk about. All right, well, let's start on uh, college football. We'll pick up yesterday's action in just a second. NFL playoff picture is set, so we'll talk about that. And our football fans out there, you want to check in. It was beyond all the New Year's and holiday celebrations. It was a busy and eventful and uh uh, very critical, if you will, college football and pro football weekend. So we'll talk a lot of football here on this particular Monday, 888-463-6748, the phone number. Let's quickly go back to uh, the collegiate football scene, Big Dog in particular, New Year's Day, some big games. And speaking of big, the Big Ten, your favorite conference, laid a collective egg O and 5 I know that had to hurt you a little bit. Uh, a little bit. How, what an embarrassment, Coach. Yes. And... Yeah, I'm a diehard Big Ten fan, and you know, I'm always willing to back the conference. You know, and and you know, even you know, sometimes and I've said it many times. I was like, you know, their bowl record is a little bit taken for granted for the simple fact they always play Big Twelve teams in Texas. They're always playing SEC teams in the bowls in Louisiana or Florida. But there's no excuse. Forget the excuses. It was ridiculous how they played. Michigan State played. I don't actually to be quite honest with you, considering. They only lost 49-7 to when they played their whole game with their helmets up, their collective rears. Mm-hmm. I didn't think they got beat that bad by Alabama. I was shocked. Uh, you oh know, I'm not shocked that Alabama won, I thought for sure, because I watched Michigan State play maybe four or five, a lot of games. I watched them probably as much as Northwestern, my favorite team. And they're a really, really good football team, Big Dog. Yeah, but They uh, executed all year long, Coach. Yes. They, were, they executed. They were like a sharp football team all season. I don't know. Five, six-week layoff. I know their offensive coordinator, Don Treadwell, took the uh, uh, head coaching job at the Miami of Ohio. Maybe that was a distraction, but, boy, the Michigan State team we saw during the regular season did not show up, albeit it was a great Alabama team. Yeah, and then then you have uh, the Michigan Michigan State game. Yeah. I mean, we all we all know that Michigan had a, a horrible defense. Of all the seventy teams that were in bowl games this year, yeah, that's that's right, folks. I just said seventy. Okay, that made bowls this year. They had the worst defense. Well, come on. I mean, don't can't you improve a little bit in a six week layoff? All the stuff that you, I mean, it seems like everything that they were bad at made it worse. Mississippi State did whatever. They wanted to, and by the way, the best play of the whole bowl season was by the uh, Mississippi State wide receiver who on an 82-yard dump-off pass to a wide receiver blocked a Michigan guy that flew about eight yards in the air into another Michigan guy who was about to make a tackle. One of the greatest blocks I've ever seen in my entire life. Michigan absolutely abysmal, and because of that, I'm afraid that Jim Harbaugh might end up being the coach of Michigan. So I'm just, as, as a diehard Illinois fan, 
I'm really worried about that. So, Jim Harbaugh, please take the San Francisco 49ers job, please. Coaching okay. jobs are going to be a source of conversation if we get to it today. There's already been one NFL coach fired already today. Some college coaching changes. We might not get to all of it today. We'll talk about that tomorrow as well. By the way, Jim Harbaugh has a big game before he worries about where he's coaching next. He's got a big game mm-hmm. tonight. Stanford versus Virginia Tech in the Orange Bowl, Big Dog. That's pretty good football tonight. Oh, without a doubt. You know, everybody is talking about Andrew Luck, and yes, he will be the number one overall pick in the NFL. But you know what? I don't even know if he's the best collegiate quarterback, collegiate, mind you, I just said, that's playing in the game tonight because Tyrod Taylor is as good of a college quarterback as you will ever see, Coach. He's a four-year starter. The kid just out and out is a very, very good football player. So, you know, all week or, you know, ESPN, which now holds uh, the BCS game. So we're getting so much more coverage than you typically would because they own the rights to them now. Mm-hmm. Um, they, I mean, they've been promoting Andrew Luck versus Tyrod Taylor. And normally I get kind of upset when they just keep on putting all the focus on the quarterbacks. But if there was ever a game that you should just focus on the matchup at quarterback, it is definitely this one. So you got your prototypical NFL guy, the pocket passer with a little athleticism to run versus, uh, you know, the prototypical college guy who runs all over the place. Oh, and by the way, he'll kill you with the passing game. So. Atlantic Coast Conference player of the year. He was sensational in their conference championship victory over Florida State. That's going to be fun to watch. And Virginia Tech, I believe the first team ever, ever to make the BCS uh uh, round to make the BCS playoffs after losing their first two games. Remember, Big Dog, they were 0-2. They got beat by the Citadel in Game 2, an amazing comeback. It was James Madison. Well, same difference. Well, it, I thought oh, Citadel was renamed James Madison, no? No, 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 James Madison totally. Uh, thought, if they lost to James Monroe, it would have been over, Coach. I thought under Barack Obama, the Citadel was closed down, no? No, the Citadel is still around, Coach. Okay. But it, you know, so. It was James Madison. But, yeah, they... <laughs> they uh, they do it every year. Frank Beamer starts out you know, one and one, one and two, always has a couple losses early. And then by the end of the year, they're so well coached that they become a well oiled machine. It, it's no shock to me, coach, honestly, that they, they won 11 in a row. Mm-hmm. So, and if you think, though, they lost to James Madison after a five day turnaround because they lost on Monday and then on Saturday to Boise State and then on Saturday. They lose to James Madison, and it was one of those games that they should not have lost. They lost 16-14 or 14-13, one of those. So, I mean, it's a really, really good team. And now they're also playing a team that if we were having a, a playoff in the college uh, bowls, Stanford might be one of those teams that could maybe get to the championship game. They're pretty good. So. Yeah, Stanford had a sensational year, losing only to the team we'll be watching a week from tonight in the national championship game, uh, of course, the Oregon Duck. Uh, and that one's still down the road. It's hard to believe we're going to have college football. You feel like the season should be over a week from today. we still got seven more days. There's still like four or five more games this week. It's a little bit long, but nevertheless, a week from Monday is going to be a great ball game. Um, but tonight, Orange Bowl, Georgia, uh, George, Virginia Tech taking on Stanford. Should be a good one. But let's go back to the weekend that was. Big Dog, mm-hmm. talk about some of the games. I thought the Rose Bowl uh, was advertised as one of the better games, and it turned out not a great game, but it was very, very entertaining. And I'll tell you what, even before we talk X's and O's, there still is something special about watching the Rose Bowl and just the Rose, the event itself. The great tradition lives on. Oh, the pageantry, Coach. Yes. The pageantry. <laughs> oh, the pageantry. The pageantry. So, yes. uh, 
Yeah, that's what, you know, like, uh, you know, I'm telling people that don't know much about football. I was like, you know, this is the granddaddy mode. This is the most special football game played in my eyes. And uh, I got in an argument with one of my roommates last year. And I know it really doesn't matter in terms of the prestige of the national championship, but the once every four years when it is the national title game, it means more. For some reason, it's kind of like the Olympic year. Mm-hmm. But there's just something about the Rose Bowl game, Coach. And, you know, the people at TCU really appreciated it. It was yeah. it was cool. They were there talking about, like, to the, the college, uh, to the kids in college, and they're like, I can't believe it. Our team is in the Rose Bowl, and it was really cool how they can, like an 18- to 22-year-old kid can put it in a perspective of how big and how special it is to be able to play in Pasadena on January 1st. I, I, Coach, 50 years from now, hopefully I'll still be around. I doubt it. But if I am, I will still, no matter what, make sure I am always available to sit my butt on a couch. Mm-hmm. And I've watched every single Rose Bowl since I've been alive, Coach. I, I, I won't ever miss one. So. Yeah, you know, I talked to uh, one of our fine listeners, Glenview Jack, over the weekend. He told me he's been, I think he said, like three or four different Super Bowls. He's been to a couple of NCAA championship games, some other big events. He said there is his absolute favorite event that he's ever attended, the Rose Bowl. Uh, did you happen to ask him which one he went to? Just wondering, what year? Well, I know he said his most memorable event ever. He's an Arizona State University grad, so okay. we mentioned back in 1980-something when Arizona State won it. He said that was his most memorable sporting event ever. But he's that been to a few January other Rose Bowls. January 1st of 1988. How do you know? And the uh, Arizona State Sun Devils, led by John Cooper, beat Michigan. And it's funny because uh, John Cooper got the Ohio State job because he beat Michigan. And then when he finally got the Ohio State <laughs> job, he was fired from Ohio State because he couldn't beat Michigan. Oh, the irony. Yeah, isn't it? Yeah, that's it's, it's kind of funny how that happens. <laughs> yeah. That was a good Rose Bowl, by I, the way. I'm, yeah, I'm, just, I'm, I'm just shocked that you were able I, – I just throw it out there quickly and boom, right off the bat you can tell me what year it was. Who the two teams were and who the coach was? That's well. If you would have told me he went to a USC one, uh-huh. it wouldn't have been. It would have been a little bit more difficult for me. But yeah, Arizona State only played in the Rose Bowl uh, since before the Frank Cush era because I really wasn't a lot like <laughs> following football then. Uh-huh. In the '97 Rose Bowl, when they lost to the you know Jake Plummer lost to uh, Ohio State, that was a great game, and then also the the '88 yeah. Super Bowl. I mean I Rose Bowl. By the way, I don't appreciate your rather unveiled knock to the Frank Cush. Era very memorable to Arizona State fans as a young teenager, falling in love with college football. I had many moments alone with a Frank Cush, big dog. So, uh, oh, I wasn't knocking it. I, okay. I just wasn't around. You know what I mean? Ah, I was I was okay. five six years old when they were going to the Rose Bowl back then. So okay. I, w- I couldn't have told you like specifically everything that happened. Yeah, one of the best ways of controlling my testosterone was to read about Frank Cush and the Arizona State Sun Devil. Made up for having a very low social life in high school. What can I tell you? Well, it doesn't doesn't help to have an afro. <laughs> You're a white man. Thank you. <laughs> Where were you about 35 years ago, Big Dog? I could have used that advice. Coach. I would have helped the coach. I would have saved it I know that. For you. I know that. I needed you many more years before. But I'm okay now. I survived those years, so I'm, I'm okay now. <laughs> 888-463-6748. Wisconsin losing to Texas Christian University. The Horned Frog winning the big game. What a thrill for them. I had a couple of... Um, Strategical comments, Big Dog, at the end of the game. Did you have any complaints with the um, way the Wisconsin Badger played? Uh, do, you, do you know what? I, I will tell you this. They should have run the ball in this two-point conversion. And, uh, you know, I've told you all year long, one of the best college football players I've ever seen is number 84, the tight end yep. for uh, the Wisconsin Badgers. 
is do you realize that he was out for a quarter and a half during that game because of dehydration issues? Come on, Lance Kendricks. How could that happen to you? During that whole entire time, Wisconsin did nothing on offense. Nothing mm-hmm. when he was out, Coach. Well, I'm that sure was, he would have been in there if he could. So don't knock well, the dehydration issue. I mean, well, no, just he. No, I'm just, I'm just Lance Kendricks. If you're listening, I know you're a big listener. You're maybe my favorite player that is a non-Illinois player I've ever seen. I just love his style. And you know, I thought that was a huge, huge issue for Wisconsin because mm-hmm. he's like their lead blocker on every single play, and he's their best receiver. So, yeah. Yep. But you know, you know, it's. Re- I thought it was more of Texas Christian making adjustments, Coach. And I, I'll, try, I'll try to just do this really quick. Normally, when a, a, a lineman pulls, the defensive lineman that's over that offensive lineman is supposed to get in that guy's hip pocket and follow him. And I'm sure, you know, Dave Olson, as a linebacker, he knows all this. You know, as when he was in high school, you, know, you got to follow your guy. Well, Texas Christian kept doing that, and Wisconsin was cutting back around it, and the D lineman couldn't stop and make the tackle. They quit doing that coaching for the first time I've ever seen in the history of college football. They told them to stay home, and instead they would make their linebackers chase. Right when a lineman would pull, that Tank Carter kid would just chase the lineman and lead him right to the football. They did that in the second half. How many times did you see Tank Carter make a tackle in the backfield because he was chasing down the, the lineman? It was, that, that kid is phenomenal, Coach. And I, honestly, i got to tell you the truth, I never even heard of the kid until the Rose Bowl. Mm-hmm. And after that, after watching him, I, I, I'm like almost disappointed in myself because I consider myself a college football expert. Didn't know who this kid is, and I don't know how he was not an All-American because that kid absolutely dominated the football game. He made the big play of the game, knocking down the two-pointer, but we're not surprised by the fact Texas Christian won the game. Wisconsin's a really, really good team. Texas Christian was not a fluke. I'm not saying they're the best team in the country, but if they're not, they're darn close to it. They were not a fluke during the year. You could tell they had tremendous uh, athleticism and great coaching. But Big Dog, well, I had two complaints at the end of the game. I'm not even sure I was rooting for I wanted the Big Ten to win a game, but you know the underdog story at Texas Christian, so it was. I feel exactly the same way. That, that's, yeah. I love rooting for the little guy, but I always root for the Big Ten on the Rose Bowl. And, I was conflicted. And for coming the first into time it, ever watching the Rose Bowl, we were zero and four coming into it, so the Big Ten needed a victory. You nailed one of my two complaints. One, they run the ball down the field four yards, six yards, five yards, seven yards, five yards, an occasional pass, but their final scoring drive, they're running at four, five, six, seven yards a clip. Now it's time to go for the two point play with about a two minutes left, and they pass the ball. Uh huh. Yes. Wow. I mean, don't overthink it. And, Run and the football. Play action. You know, if you're going to pass the ball, yep. you, you play action. Then I, I mm-hmm. mean, that, that's what you got to do. What, what was your other one? Coach? All right. Well, hey, my other one now, this is a little more subtle. And this is what puts me right to the head of the football class, Big Dog, because I even passed you on this one. I'm a man with foresight and I like to think ahead. Wisconsin's got the ball with about seven minutes left and they're methodically marching down the field. They're down eight points and they are running the football. So my complaint is not to continue running because you do need to score. But they were taking their time. Yes. And the oh, clock was... is ticking away, and I'm like, they're playing for one score. I'm like, well, wait a minute. Even if you score, you have to go for a two-point play. If you don't make the two-pointer, you got to leave yourself time left. you got some timeouts left to stop the clock, but they, they're just letting the clock run down, letting the clock run down. I'm thinking, no, you don't pin all your hopes on a two-point play, and that's exactly what they did. I thought that was a critical error by the Wisconsin Badger. I, I couldn't agree more with you, Coach. I was saying the same thing. And, and I, I could understand playing for one. You really still shouldn't, but I could understand it if you couldn't stop the other team. But they had done a great job in the, in the last two and a half quarters of stopping Texas Christian. 
So you have to assume you have to play for two scores at that point. You have to assume. You can't just assume you're going to yeah. get a two-point conversion. Right. I, I just don't like depending my whole season, and, and it came back to haunt them on that one two-point play. Things can go wrong. you got to leave yourself time. Absolutely right. Yeah. And the way they could have done it is, why didn't they use play action more? Not only you know, on first down, when you're running the ball down somebody's throat, take a shot and play action, fake it, drop back, and fire the ball down the field. They didn't do any of that. They ran a play-action pass once in the fourth quarter, and Tank Carter got a sack on the play, Coach, and they decided not to do it again. I was like, try it again. Just because it was not successful yeah. at one time, it, they needed a huge chunk. If they, You know, that puts Texas Christian. All of a sudden, the Texas Christian has it's 21-19 with four minutes to go, and they have the ball. They, they're forced to try to make a play and get a first down. I wanted to see what would happen. Instead, mm-hmm. you know, their quarterback's kneeling on the ball. I, I I could totally I totally agree, yeah. And if it's twenty one fourteen, when they're going methodical down the field, I understand it because you don't want yes. any time on the clock. But you you can't oh, risk to- that. totally different story because the extra uh-huh. point is near automatic at that point. You want to wind the clock down as little as possible. Completely different. That one point makes all the fact they were down eight as opposed to seven. In my opinion, changes the whole strategy. Yeah, and and, and trust me, it is also easier for the offense if they look up and there's. Four minutes and thirty seconds to go in the game, mm-hmm. and it's twenty-one nineteen going for that two-point conversion. It's totally different than if there's a buck thirty. When mm-hmm. basically you're like, our season comes down to this. Yeah, uh, I'm going to put it for all the Wisconsin fans out there that uh, are not agreeing with big college football fans. By the way, you want to check in any of the games you watched over the weekend. We're going to get to NFL football after our first break. Eight 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 four six three sixty-seven forty. I'm going to put it in mathematical terms here. David Olson, not appreciating my opinion. He's more of a finite guy, a mathematical guy. I'm going to put it in percentages here. Making a two-pointer is what? You make it 60% of the time? No, no, no. I would, I would coach. In the NFL, it's a little bit higher because it's from the two-yard line. It's from the three in college. So what do you it's, it's lower. It's actually, I, I haven't seen it this year, but yeah. last year I remember it was like 48%. It's around 50%. Uh, the way the Badgers were moving the football. I'm going to give him, if the coach is thinking strategy right now, I'm going to say he's 60, 65% sure he's going to get the two-pointer. Okay? okay? So, now, if you get the two-pointer, you have not won the game. The game is tied up. So, at that yeah. point, let's just say it's going to go into overtime. You only have a 50-50 chance. So, by deciding to let the clock run down, play for one touchdown and go for the two, I'm not great at math. I don't have a calculator in front of me. You're, you've got a 60% chance. chance. A 35% six, chance of winning the game. That's what, what you're giving doing. yourself. Yes. Again, the two-pointer doesn't win you the game. The two-pointer, again, putting it in mathematical terms here, just gets you the opportunity to have a 50-50 chance of winning the game. Yeah, and, and, and I know the kicker that they had missed a field goal earlier in the, in the game. Mm-hmm. But Wisconsin's kicking game has been pretty good. So, if that, I mean, it's... You have a good shot if you get the ball back in the game. This the guy's a pretty good kicker. You would have had a chance at winning the game. Yeah. All right. So. Rose Bowl eight 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 four six three six seven four. A very quickly, big dog. Did you wake up number one at eleven o'clock a.m. in time for the start of my Northwestern Wildcat versus Texas Tech in the first annual, first of many, I'm sure. The Ticket City Bowl, the great I, tradition I, I, of the Ticket City I Bowl. I do believe it started at ten a.m. our time. Uh, I believe you would be incorrect. Are you sure about that, Coach? You're the one who celebrated the Hawaiian New Year's, not me. 
Well, yeah, it was. <laughs> I, I was up for it. Yeah, I, I, I don't. I was watching Com- four football games at the same time, Coach. Compare, I don't compare the great tradition. Oh, the pageantry of the Ticket City Bowl versus the Rose Bowl. Well, I got to be quite honest with you, Coach. I think you no longer can call the Rose Bowl the granddaddy of them all. The Ticket City Bowl is now <laughs> granddaddy of them all. I was blown away, to be quite honest with you. I like when the announcer yeah, said, so, "The announcer said that's a Ticket City Bowl record for receiving yards." It's <laughs> <laughs> like this is the first annual. Well, uh, the, I, I have to admit, the way they painted all those empty seats gray it was spectacular. <laughs> there, was, there was just something special about it, Coach. Oh, how about Northwestern's defense? They apparently celebrated the New Year's along with everybody else. Uh, goodness oh gracious. Goodness. Any it, chance Patrick Fitzgerald will be looking for a new defensive coordinator? Um, possibly, Coach. But, yeah, uh, Pat Fitzgerald, I know he gets upset when I say this because he used to listen to the program. I know he doesn't anymore because I've said it too much. <laughs> what, I mean, if, is it really the coordinator's fault? I mean, if if I give you if I give you carrots and celery and ask for beef stew, you're missing the beef, aren't you? And am I going to blame you for not making well, good beef stew? See, you're insinuating the talent is not there. I would argue that there is. I thought Northwestern's defense this year, their front line, pretty solid, good pair of linebackers and defense. Well, I, I, I thought they had talent back there. They just didn't produce. I, I maybe it's, I'm just I'm reminiscing about the 528 yards of rushing they gave up to <laughs> Illinois and. It seemed like, you know, when, when Patrick Gerald was like, we, we missed too many tackles. It was like, tackles? Yeah. It looked like a bunch of midgets getting hammered by an offensive line for four quarters. So, yeah. I, 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 Stats are I misleading. Don't think they have a big ten, I don't think they have big-ten talent on, on defense, Coach. I really don't. 460 of those 500-plus yards against Illinois came at uh, garbage time. Yeah, because you know when you're running the ball for three and a half quarters on somebody, <laughs> it was basic. You know, after they're up, you know, fourteen yeah. dozen. Garbage, exactly garbage right, time started about halfway through the first quarter. And mm-hmm. used defensive coordinator came from Wisconsin. His name is Mike Hankowitz. Every time I hear that, I say, "God bless you." But um, well, uh, all, all I'm saying is, you know, that, that, that's a really tough question for me to answer. And one thing I want to say to people who fire their coach: be careful what you ask for. Be careful. Somebody has a bad season has a bad game, they fire their coach, and all of a sudden they're trying to find somebody to replace them, and then they realize, you know, maybe it wasn't all the coach. Mm-hmm. You know, maybe it is the players, or maybe it was the situation. Sometimes it is the coach. Don't get me wrong, Coach. I, but just be careful what you wish for when you're asked. Because uh, I, I think it was like a year ago around this time, people were calling for Levy Smith's head. You know what I mean? And mm-hmm. I'm pretty happy with the job Levy Smith and the Bears coaching staff did this season. Well, I'll get to that in just a minute. University of Pittsburgh, by the way, speaking of head coaching jobs, it is oh, open, my. big dog. Be careful. Be careful what you wish for. How they about it, fired Mike Haywood. <laughs> they now say they're looking for an outsider. Uh, I put your name in the hat because, quite frankly, they don't get any more outside than you. But uh, that was a weird situation. Yeah. Uh, felony domestic battery. Yikes. And, you know, the sad thing is the kids are involved. They actually saw it. So, Mm -hmm. um, you know, I'm always one, let's find out what happened before we accuse somebody of something. I I always want to say that. So let's let things go as they they may. But, like, the way that they're talking about it, I mean – it's like, it's like an open and shut case, yeah. and well, Pittsburgh apparently just wanted they, to wash their hands with it. So. Yeah, the president of Pittsburgh University didn't want to wait for any of the details to come out, or he was convinced enough because one day later they let the guy go for the fans not aware it was uh, Miami of Uni- uh, Miami of Ohio's head coach Mike Haywood got the job at Pittsburgh after Dave uh, Weinstead was forced out. In about what couple days after he got the job, domestic uh, situation. 
uh, of a pretty serious nature, and they um, he got arrested, and they let him go like a day later. Yeah, I mean, I, I understand that, especially mm-hmm. if he's never even coached. You know what I mean? So it's it's that it's probably best to do it now. You know, what I mean, if he'd been there a year, so that things might be a little different. But mm-hmm. you're talking within a within, within it might have been like two weeks ago, coach, that he was hired. But it, you're, you're right, it was. It, it's he's. You know, obviously he hasn't coached the game for Pittsburgh. So, yeah. all right, we got to get to the NFL. Big dog, any? I know you got the whole tablet full. We'll get to some of the stuff tomorrow as well. Residue it's, Tuesday, but any other uh, news and notes, thoughts you had on the collegiate football weekend, the bowl games, and the Chile U8? Okay, look, look, I'm glad you asked me, coach, because I've been wanting to say this. Ralph Region was fired by Maryland. Yep. And they let him coach in their last game. And, and I'm glad they won because he moved to 75 and 50 which put him at a 60% winning percentage. That's, that's, that's good, especially when you're coaching at one of the major schools. And you talk about normally people get fired and they're done wrong and be careful what you wish for. Well, you know what? His, he got to coach his team one last time. And it was pretty cool to watch Ralph Regan coach his team. They all knew they were playing for their coach, and they absolutely dominated who they play. They won 52, they, East Carolina. They won like 52-14. To see his post-game speech to those players afterwards, Coach, I'm getting chills down my body right now. It was just so cool. And if you're going to fire somebody, uh, Gary Edsel of Connecticut was hired to replace him. Mm-hmm. You've got big shoes to fill, and not just because Ralph Region wore a size 14 triple E. <laughs> he was a good man and a really good coach, and it was a great scene to watch him say goodbye to his players after they won the Viagra.com uh, Cialis Bowl. Coach. Yeah. <laughs> Randy Edsel getting the uh... – bowl, actually. <laughs> That'd be a heck of a bowl. Randy Edsel getting the head coaching job from Connecticut. I know Ralph Ridger was the, I believe, the coach of the year, had a very successful yeah. season yeah. two yeah, years ago. What uh, year. Do you have any inside stories? What happened? Why did they let the fridge go? Um, I, I don't know, Coach. They, they really haven't said why. He's a Maryland alum. He was the ACC coach of the year. His players graduate, but they're not a national power. And he might have been, he, he might have become a victim of his own success. Because if you remember early on in his career, he brought, uh, Maryland to their first, like, 10 win season. They took him to a BCS bowl. You know, they, they went like, they went 10 and 3 a couple years. And then after that, they, they just, he seemed like he was under fire immediately after they, he went like 4 and 8 one year. Mm-hmm. And it's taken him a while to turn it around. So, you know, and we know, but let's face it, coach, let's face it. If you're at a Division One uh, automatic qualifying school, if you're not winning games consistently, it doesn't matter if your players graduate, if they stay out of trouble, all that stuff. Maybe at Northwestern is the only school like where Pat Fitzgerald can, can go four and eight, and not be on the hot seat. Take you know what I mean? It's it pretty sad. I don't appreciate any shots of my beloved cats who no, are no, taking. No, I'm, a... not, no, I'm saying Northwestern does it. Northwestern, they're not going to rush off and fire Pat Fitzgerald if, if the, uh, Northwestern has a bad year. They're one of the few schools that aren't going to rush to fire somebody. It seems like every other school, you know, like this whole, I know sometimes people deserve to get fired. I remember a couple of years ago, people talking about Bruce Weber needs to get fired when, when Illinois had the, had a real bad season. And I'm like, do you really want Bruce Weber to be fired people? Do you really, who are they going to replace them with? You know, be careful what people ask for. And all of a sudden now everybody loves Bruce Weber again in the Illinois world. So. Mm. That's all I'm saying. Just be careful what you wish for. Uh, good advice and a good way to uh, conclude our collegiate football talk. We'll get to more of it tomorrow, but uh, we got to get to some NFL Sunday talk. The playoff picture is set, Big Dog. We'll take a quick break. we got football expert Joel, the Big Dog, Radwanski, here in the two guys at a mic show. Our phone lines are open at 
463-6748. Joel, you got David Olson, our producer, so excited. He's in a three-point stance ready to give me a forearm shiver right now. Uh, he's probably going to be a cross-face coach. You're going to look like Brandon Barrett did after last night's fight. I'm going to play like an outside linebacker and take uh, outside contain. Back in a minute. Two guys in a mic. are open for your calls on two guys and a mic call 888 go for it once again here's the coach john cone and the big dog joel radwanski on talkzone.com yeah we are indeed back show number one of the 2011 year big dog this is the show that sets the tempo for the next uh, 296 shows which we will be doing together over the year 2011. So I hope we're not setting the bar too high on day one. Well, you know, the problem is, Coach, <laughs> the, the problem is my, my strength. You know, like it's like uh, it's like throwing Albert Pujols, you know, something high and in. Yes. You know what I mean? When, you, when we're talking college football, yep. that, and especially when there's only a few games, so I can really concentrate on them, mm-hmm. I actually sound like a sporting expert. Yes. You know what I mean? It, as the year goes on, and all of a sudden I have to actually break down like the NHL or the NBA, <laughs> then I found, then I really found, they're like, where the heck is this guy on the radio? Uh, so as well, long as we only have a few college football games at hand, I, I freaking sound like, uh, <laughs> you know, Cook, 1954 when he was in his prime. <laughs> of course, he was on, he was on television for another 55 years, but you know. Yeah. Mediocrity lingers on. Maybe during the uh, NHL. You know, Cook was excellent considering he was passed away for the last 11 years of his television career. That was yeah. not bad. Yeah. Uh, one of the most underrated TV people of all time was the guy who held up Bino Cook the last five years. <laughs> yeah. Great chin, though. Arguably one of the best double chins, triple chins in the history of television. Yeah, basically, yeah, you would be able to count how many national championships <laughs> Notre Dame had <laughs> by how many chins Bino Cook at the time. Uh... David Olson, you work for many people in the business. Our fine producer, did you ever get a uh, cup of coffee? Did you possibly ever touch Palm with a Beano Cook? No, but he was a frequent uh, guest on Copacon Sports, oh, well, so I talked to him about once a week for so you about did. six months. Yeah. So you did. Very good. Off air with a nice guy? Uh, don't remember. Okay. Don't remember. Right. So that's probably a but, good but he, sign. But he was a regular. Mm-hmm. If you don't remember, that's probably a good sign. <laughs> Dave, you, know what, you know what I'm saying? Big dog, I think uh, I think at the end of each season we should start a tradition, and you and me should give out our Beano Cook awards. Well, for to the commentator that we're not sure is quite alive still. Yeah, or an honorable, uh, you know, an honor of memorable college football moments and players, and some of the not so memorable ones too. We'll just call them the Beano Cook awards. Okay, well, yeah, well, Beano Cook is a is a huge, huge Notre Dame fan, and uh, and I'm not making light of this anywhere, folks, because of where I'm going with this. Not a good year for Notre Dame. Declan Sullivan passes yep. away after going up on the scissor lift. Yep. You got one of the players, unknown players, uh, accused of rape. The kid, the girl that involved mm-hmm. ends up killing herself. You don't know if it's, you know, a very, very rough year for Notre Dame. 
they ended on a, a, a positive note yeah. and absolutely whitewashing Miami. You know, thirty-seven or thirty-three, seventeen's a final, but it was a, mm-hmm. a blowout. But rough, rough year for Notre Dame. Coach. No question about it. Let's hope uh, next year, at least on the football field or off the football field, I should say, it's a little bit uh, less eventful. Big dog, let's get to some NFL football right now. And uh, two guys that are Mike fans, you want to check in uh, on the Sunday that was the playoff picture coming up. We are right here for you at 888-463-6748. Quick moment, David Olson. Yeah, quick NFL note before we get started. Uh, Eric Mangini is out. Did see that. As coach of Cleveland Another Browns. coach. That was in my notes today. Big dog, is should the Cleveland Browns, or do you think they'll stick with Eric Mangini or not? Apparently that, he's the, what, the third coach now to be let go, right? Uh, is he? Well, John okay. Fox from Carolina coached his okay. final game. Yeah. And who else do we have get fired? You're not well. You're not talking about Wade Phillips mid-season, right? No. And the, okay. Oh, because there's yeah, there's there's Wade Phillips and and what's what's his name from Minnesota, Brian Childress mid-season. Maybe I'm thinking uh, of Mike Singletary at the end of the year, but there'll be was a, another one. Yeah, there'll be a few more changes. The Cleveland Browns, man, Genie halfway through the year looked like he was turning it around, but the the Browns took a turn for the worse. Yeah, McDaniel's of uh, Denver also lost his job in the middle of the season. And by the way, did you happen to see? Adam Schefter and Hannah Storm on air when they got the news about Eric Mangini? I did not. What happened? Oh, very, very uncomfortable moment. So Adam Schefter is on air, and somebody says into his ear, Eric Mangini's been released. So he's like, oh, by the way, I got breaking news. Eric Mangini's been released. And he high-fives Hannah Storm, and he's like, that's 50 positive points for you. And, And she's like, we got the news. And then what happened was Josh Elliott had bet them, hey, can you guys break uh, a firing during when you're on air? So all of a sudden they're high-fiving about Eric Mangini losing the job. And you can tell like a producer yelled into both of their uh, headsets, hey, a guy has just been fired and he's lost his job because both of them like straightened up real quick. They were like, well, you know, we're not celebrating. Uh, he, he's mm-hmm. got a family and we understand that there's situations like this. We, we just wanted to break the news. You know, it was, it was like... It was classic yeah. television. Coach. To me, to me, just having Adam Schechter and Hannah Storm on at the same time is very uncomfortable television. Yes, David. Uh, Tom Cable looks like he's going to be out in uh, Oakland. Al Davis has lost his freaking mind. The guy should have been fired <laughs> last year after the, the season they had. All of a sudden, this year it looks like the guy's got his act together and has really got the team going in the right direction. And I, I like Tom Cable. I didn't think they should have fired him last year, and now they do it. <laughs> well, you know, you know how Al Davis rolls. I mean, he, he, there's no confirmation, and he's uh, his extensions due to kick in on the 18th, so they're going to have to figure something out by then. You, you know that goes. You know that goes back to like our, our predictions at the beginning of the year. And David, you can confirm that. I think you actually had some predictions. Some of them. We look like absolute idiots, coach. Because if, if you were, I'm going to say it straight up right now. I predicted the Dallas Cowboys to be in the Super Bowl versus the Indianapolis Colts. Okay, and, and obviously that was a bad one. But I would say the Lions are going to finish above the, the Vikings in the division. That happened yesterday after the, the Lions yeah. beat the Vikings. Yeah, we, we, we collectively nailed that one. We both, I remember in our preview show, we both said, everybody was picking, not everybody, a lot of people say Minnesota Vikings, Super Bowl contender. We both made the comment, I remember it specifically, they could finish last place in the division. Yeah, and I and I, I predicted that. I was like, I was like, that's going to happen. I said the Bears are going to win eleven games. They won eleven games, and I said the Raiders were going to go from being horrible to really respectable. Mm-hmm. So you also had the Jaguars being a surprise team in the AFC, and, mm-hmm. and they ended up going to the last game of the season. And who knows, maybe if yes. Maurice Jones Drew and 
and David Garrard don't yeah. get hurt and miss the last two games. You know, I also uh, a little different. If memory serves me correct, I think at the start of the year I predicted the oil spill, and I predicted the rescue of the Chilean miners, even though the miners had not fallen underground yet. That, so that those was, were those were two. <laughs> no, no, what was your bad pick? You, I, I admit, I took the Cowboys getting to the Super Bowl, yeah. and that team they were super poop, not Super Bowl. What was your bad pick? I got to think San, of it because San Francisco. Give me long enough, I'll remember. I think the San Francisco 49ers, their breakout year. Yes, that's, yep. that's it. And not, yeah, the, the only thing they need to break out of is oof, Alcatraz. Wow. Wow. Not so good. All right, let's no. talk about yesterday's game in the playoffs to come, Big Dog, after 17 long weeks of NFL football, my friend. It's hard to believe. But the regular season is over. We got the playoff picture set. Let's talk our Chicago Bears first here. Any Chicago Bear yeah. fans, we do tend to have a Chicago vent on the talkzone.com. Two guys in a mic show here. Uh, the Bears do lose to the Packers 10 to 3. And my first comment is I've criticized Lovey Smith a lot and I will continue to, but I do need to compliment him yesterday, Big Dog. They played their start all the way they played to win it was a much more intense game than i ever thought it would be and i thought he made the right decision to play the starters all the way so congrats to lovey i agree uh they need to stay sharp they're going to have two weeks off i I wanted them to stay sharp i had no problem with them playing the whole way and and luckily because nobody got hurt so you know that ends up being well somebody did get banged up i don't think it's really that big of an issue and everybody that that was hurt going in most of them did not play and Earl Bennett said he could have played if yeah. the game would have mattered. Pisa Tinisamoa just played special teams. You know, he didn't play every down on defense. So Earl I, Bennett, I thought yeah. they handled that the right way. And yeah. I, I want to say something here. I know he gave up a sack coach, Jamarcus Webb, who one play Clay Matthews just ran around him. But if you watch Jamarcus Webb, he handled Clay Matthews most of the afternoon. And this was a guy that was so belittled and ripped on eight weeks ago. The kid was a six-round pick. He's a rookie. I have never seen an offensive lineman that the Bears have had improve more through over a half season than what Jamarcus Webb had. And I want to tip my hat to that kid because, he, I mean, people were ripping. He'd come to talk shows like eight-year-old boys were calling up talk shows. He's horrible. You know, everybody knew how bad he was. And all of a sudden, by the end of the year, I thought he was the most improved player on the Chicago Bears. So mm-hmm. Mike Tice must be doing something right because that offensive line, Gave up six sacks yesterday against a really good Packers pass rush. Definitely not their best game of the season, but throughout, like from week four to week 17, the improvement on this team has been ridiculously good. Now they don't have as huge of a weakness. And again, I'm going to remind people, they did give up six sacks yesterday. But some of that was Jay Cutler. Throw the freaking ball, Mm -hmm. Cutler. Yeah, somebody, somebody would say, oh, the Bears offensive line is only average. And I'm like, if the Bears offensive line is average in NFL terms, then we got a chance to go to the Super Bowl because it was the weakest in the NFL, was the weak point of the team. If yeah. if they're up to average, Mike Tice is the coach of the year. I, I so. agree. Coach. I, I, and honestly, I think that people need to start looking at uh, Olin Krutz, Roberto Garza, Chris William playing guard. You know, like Claudia, my, my roommate was talking about, did you see him pulling around, leading on every play? Okay, maybe he's he's not the tackle we wanted. But he's playing great at guard. And I will want to remind everybody this. Frank, oh, my guy, oh, he's still horrible. <laughs> he got better. <laughs> uh, coach, he has gotten better. But still, his uh, his uh, imitation of a turnstile yesterday was not good. <laughs> All Every single pass rush, yeah. has, I mean, five of the six sacks were directly caused by Frank, oh, my guy, missing yeah. people. On the bright side, he did. He dropped he... back, and there was two guys coming at him. And he didn't know which one to block. So he decided not to block either, and both guys ran right past him. That happened twice. 
you know, it was funny when the first time it happened, I pointed out to everybody in the room, they all laughed. The second time it happened, we weren't laughing anymore. Did he ask for a receipt <laughs> as they went by? Yeah, he did. Yeah, he got he got both their tickets as they okay. went by. Very good. I mean, like seriously, if you don't know who to block, pick one. That that was all. I always remember that as a, as a kid when we were playing football. If you don't know who to block, even if you block the wrong guy, hit somebody. We'll 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 correct yep. your mental error later. Yep. Don't just stand there and be like, which one? Okay, neither. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so, That's a good point. It's a good point. Packers yeah. knock off the Bears ten to three. The Packers make the playoffs. They'll be meeting the Philadelphia Eagles. Big dog. I I might be an island. Unto my own, but I think I'm pretty comfortable on the island today. If you remember back to last week, you asked me, what do I think the weak link for the Chicago Bears? And I was one of the very, very, very few that mentioned, do you remember? You You said said defense. Nope. The weak link. Yes. You specifically asked me, well, coach, if the Bears do collapse at the end of the year, what's going to be the, what's going to be the fault for the Bears? And my answer to you was Jay Cutler. Oh, okay. Jay okay. Cutler is the weak link of the Chicago Bears, and I know most Bear fans don't agree with that and, you know, are, are celebrating, you know, even in Jay Cutler's good games. He's had a few, but he's thrown some balls that should have been intercepted. He went back to the Jay Cutler that I, that I've seen way too often yesterday. Two interceptions at critical times, a couple of more, if you remember, that should have been intercepted almost every game. He throws a couple of balls that should have been intercepted and, even a lot of the catches he was throwing behind receivers. So I still mm-hmm. think the weak link for the Bears is the quarterback, Cutler. I don't trust him in a big game. You, you know, Coach, that, that is an excellent point. In, in order to hate, help Jay Cutler and, and help the offensive line, they need to run the ball more. They were running it effectively. Please don't let Jay Cutler try to win football games. You know, Jay Cutler has got to be the type of guy that takes advantage of, of eight guys in the box with his cannon arm. You can't, you can't count on Jay Cutler to Drew Brees, Peyton Manning, Tom Brady, you down the field. Yep. Okay, there's only a few quarterbacks that can do that. And without question, he's way too erratic in, in order to do it. I mean, yes, he, he makes some throws that just you, your mouth drops on, and then other stuff, it's like you, you have to put your hand over your eyes because you can't believe he just did what he did. You know, and I know you, you hate this term, but the truth is you have to manage the game. You have to take into consideration What's going on in the ball game at the time? And mm-hmm. when you're up three nothing, you don't force a ball into the end zone on second down, mind you, from the 25. And if you're on the 28 yard line, you don't run backwards for 15 when you're up three to nothing and get sacked. And then now you're out of field goal range. There was so many plays where he did exactly what you shouldn't do in a situation for what you're like, you know, if it's, you know, if it's, you know, third and 18 and you're down four late in the game and you try to get a ball in and you throw an interception, you know what? Hey, you're trying to win the game. If you're up three nothing, <laughs> you know, and at that point, three points was a lot. You have to stay within field goal range and you can't turn the ball over. It's it, as simple as that. Part of what bothers me about uh, Cutler, and again, Bear fans, you want to check in, is they lose to the Packers yesterday in a surprisingly uh, uh, intense very competitive, almost playoff-like football game. I was well, it's surprisingly coach. It's the Bears yes. Packers. It's nah, the Bears you know Packers. That's not surprising how I, intense it was. I was Absolutely not, not. Prior to the game, I was not excited about it. Didn't even tape really? the game. Didn't plan to watch it. I went to watch the uh, Northwestern women's hoops team play yesterday at 2 o'clock, Big Dog. Did not. You know how I, I DVR games all the time. Didn't even. I had very little interest in the Bear game. Then I'm yeah. driving home about uh, early second quarter listening to Jeff Joniak. And by the way. 
You talk about the Jamarcus Webb improved at right tackle. Mm-hmm. Jeff Joniak, the radio announcer for the Chicago Bear, he got me going a little bit. What a surprise. It's the Bears-Packers, Coach. I'm, I'm ashamed of you. Not really ashamed, you know, but just like a joking ashamed. I didn't want to hurt the feelings. I, I, I ended up coming home, and, and I did, did watch the ball game, and I was very pleased. with. I, I just thought the Bears had nothing to play for. They might not play their starter. But it was, uh, it was an, a high-intensity game from start to finish. Very, very enjoyable. But part of what bugs me about Cutler is his mistakes sometimes come from laziness, lack of attention to detail, uh, lack of fundamentals. Sometimes I just don't think he cares enough. To be careful, I mean, Kurt Warner used to do the same thing. He was a gunslinger. But Kurt Warner was fundamentally correct. Sometimes he yeah. would try to press the ball downfield too much, and the ball would be intercepted. I can live with that. To me, yeah, some of Cutler's mistakes. He situations that made sense to force it. He really did. He, Kurt Warner managed the game in a way like this. I'm going to try to make a play. Unless we're in a situation where I don't need to make a play, then I'll take the sack. So Kurt Warner, that's one of the great quarterbacks. That everywhere he went, they won besides New York. So mm-hmm. that's a, that's a perfect example of a guy when you, who either makes plays when you're supposed to and, and takes care of the ball when you're supposed to. All right, very quickly, we don't have time for a full round him up and wrap him up at some of the other games yesterday. How about Tampa Bay knocking off New Orleans 22 to uh, 13? The Saints do not go marching into the playoffs. Yeah, and the Saints, who have a an 11 and 5 record. Mm-hmm. Now go on the road against Seattle, who's seven and nine. Uh, just another reason why I'm so, begging the NFL, please, for eighteen divisions, please. It would be so good for the league. Seattle is going to be hosting a playoff game. Yes, wow. and there's there's ten and six teams not even in the playoffs, yeah. and a seven and nine team is hosting a playoff game. And if you don't think that's that big of a deal, the average NFL playoff ticket is two hundred dollars. There's seventy thousand seats in Quest Stadium. Which means they'll make fourteen million dollars just off of hosting one playoff game, mm-hmm. not even including concessions, coach. All right, big dog. I'm going to put you on the spot here. Uh, you are. I'm going to put you in the place of Pete Carroll. You huddle up your troops. You give them a day to rest, and now you rehuddle them on or regather them up on Tuesday. You are now hosting a playoff game at the record of seven and nine. What motivational talk do you give to your players to make them feel like they got a shot at winning? I'd be like, hey, guys, I I'm, I'm appreciate you came in on Tuesday considering it's the mandatory day off in the NFL, and I'm probably <laughs> going to get fired. So, uh, that's a good start. Yeah, that, 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 that's you. And then be like, hey, we're 0-0. Zero zero. It doesn't matter. We didn't make the rules, okay? People are ripping on us that it's happening. Everybody's already counted us out. We don't have a chance against Seattle, so we're playing with house money. Oh, and by the way, the, our house is going to make a lot of money because of the $14 million. So, who cares? You don't make the rules. Just go out there and play. And you remember a couple of years ago, people were, oh, the, the nine and seven uh, Arizona Cardinals are in the playoffs when an eleven and five team didn't make it in. That happened in in '08. I forget who the eleven and five team was, but uh, you no, know, it was the ten and six Bears that didn't get in. Is what happened. So it, you know, coach, just shake your head. Who cares? Okay. You know what? Go out there and play. It's, everybody's zero and zero at this point, and you get a home playoff game. All right, well, I'm telling you right now, the New Orleans Saints will win that game. So, Big Dog, you basically have two weeks, a little under two weeks, to prepare a game plan to break down how our beloved Chicago Bear can knock off the New Orleans Saints. I'll expect... No, 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 uh, they, they, you don't know if they're going to play them because um, they, they, we would only play oh, the that's Saints right. if, if the Packers beat the Eagles. Because what happened is the number one, it automatically gets reseeded. So that's whoever right. the lowest seed remaining is mm-hmm. gets the go. So we're hoping... We're, uh, as Bears fans, you, you're hoping, 
I don't know what you're hoping for. Because basically the Bears can't play the Packers in the first round. The Bears, the, the Vulcans, Falcons will play the lowest-seeded winner. So if the, if the Vikings beat the, I mean, excuse me, if the Eagles beat the Packers, then the Bears play the winner of Seattle and... Uh, well, if the Saints, so if the Saints is, win, don't we automatically play the Saints? No, no, no. Why no. not? If the, I'm trying to explain this to you. If the Packers win, they're the sixth seed. They automatic, the number one team automatically plays the lowest remaining yeah, seed. Yeah, so the Falcons would play the Packers. What scenario would the Bears not play New Orleans if New Orleans wins? Is it New Orleans seated ahead that's, of? That's if, 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 the, if the Eagles win, the three seed goes on. Okay, so the remaining, the lowest seed would then be whoever won the 4-5 game. Oh, so Philadelphia is the three seed? Philadelphia is the three seed. How did they get the three seed? Because they had the third best record of the division winners. I don't like it. So so what's going to happen is hopefully hopefully the Packers beat the Eagles and somehow the Seahawks pull a horseshoe out of their butt and they beat the Saints. So what will end up happening is um, the Packers, the sixth seed, they're the lowest. They go play the number one seed at Atlanta. The Bears then host the Seahawks. Revenge game, okay. So instead of being oh this is a seven and all of a sudden everybody's picking the Bears, which is usually bad, you know the Bears have revenge on their mind, so they end up winning that game because it's a revenge game. Then then the Packers go into Atlanta and beat the Falcons, and the Bears host the NFC Championship game against the Packers. Everybody and their brothers picking the Packers, and the Bears are like okay we're getting disrespected again. We're at home getting disrespected, and they beat the Packers in the NFC Championship game. To go to the Super Bowl, and then I do remind you before the New very England quickly, Patriots very game, quickly. before the New England Patriots game, I said the Bears are going to get hammered, but don't worry. In the rematch in the Super Bowl, they were going to beat them. All right, if you didn't get all that, folks, we'll continue on that thought process. tomorrow. It's the two guys at a MikeTalkZone.com. Happy New Year to everybody. We'll do it all over again. Day two of the new season tomorrow. Thanks for listening. Have a great day, everybody. TalkZone.com. Two guys at a mic signing off.